Pastor Xavier Reese and the ever-present imprint of the finger of God. For the world to be ready to embrace the Antichrist, you have to remove all traces of belief in God. And we've seen this since the 60s, specifically here in our nation. As we remove every cross, every emblem, you can't pray in school, you can't carry a Bible, you can't do stuff like that. I'm waiting them to start demolishing Washington, D.C. because every building and monument has a scripture on it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Today, the concept of having faith in Jesus has been categorized as simply foolishness or irrational hope. Well, as Pastor Xavier takes us back to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, he peels back the mask of a false promoter of religion and peace who will deceive many. There's a choice to make, and that's coming up on today's Simple Truths study. Let's listen. Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 25. The message is entitled, The Profane wicked prince of Israel. The world mocks the very idea of an antichrist, yet the antichrist is a real person that has come upon the world scene. The worst of men that have preceded him are child's play compared to him. The Old Testament passage are at times, you know, uh, proclaiming short-term and long-term fulfillments of prophecies. The prophecy to David in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16, promising the son, Solomon, to sit on the throne, short term, long term, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Well, Ezekiel the prophet gives us this little nugget here that it is short term fulfillment of Zedekiah the king, which we saw, but long term it's talking about the Antichrist who is yet to come. Let me read here. He says, Now to you, O profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end. William T. James in his book, Foreshock of the Antichrist, declares the following, quote, The siren song grows louder. We have one hope. We have one dream. And with one voice we sing, Peace, prosperity, and love for all mankind. Since the time of Jesus walked on the earth in the flesh, this era has been called A.D. But now we are to acknowledge that we live in the period of human history called the Common Era, or C.E. The revisionist, you see, demand that all vestige of Jesus Christ be erased from even our lexicon. And if you go to the university, you know this is true. It's no more A.D., but the common era. You see, for the world to be ready to embrace the Antichrist, you have to remove all traces of belief in God. And we've seen this since the 60s, specifically here in our nation. As we remove every cross, every emblem, you can't pray in school, you can't carry a Bible, you can't do stuff like that. I'm waiting them to start demolishing Washington, D.C. because every building and monument has a scripture on it. The Bible makes a very clear distinction between darkness and the Antichrist. The struggle between light and darkness is seen from Genesis to Revelation. But don't confuse the one with the other. 
We see light and darkness through the Bible, but within the realm of darkness, there is that spirit of antichrist, which is totally different. Those in darkness are blind by the God of this world, Satan. Through religion, nominal Christianity, good works, belief in self, whatever it may be. Romans 1 gives us a good catalog of those in chapter 2 also. Those who oppose all that stands for Christ and deny that he came and is coming in the flesh again is the spirit of Antichrist, 1 John 4, 1. So those who say that Jesus did not come in the flesh and was God or is coming again are Antichrist. They deny him altogether. The scriptures reveal the difference between false Christ, by the way, and Antichrist. False Christ passed himself off as um, Christ-related ministers of Christ. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 13, 15. Satan can transform himself into an angel light, and we shouldn't be surprised if his ministers can also. Mormons are Antichrist. They declare they're Christians. They are not. They do not believe that Jesus is God the God-man. They believed that he's half-brother to Satan. And when it came to saving the world, it was heads for Jesus and tails for Satan. And Jesus won and Satan got mad. Antichrists are totally against and in opposition to Christ. 1 John 4, 3 and 2 John 7 says. They won't tolerate nothing about Christ. Now, the epistle of John give us, he's the one that coins the word for us, Antichrist. Uh, and again, we don't find it in the Old Testament. But there are um, five occurrences that he speaks about the Antichrist, which give us good information about an Antichrist. Uh, let me just run through them real quickly. The first one is found in 1 John 2.18. Uh, this is the first mention regarding the certainty of his coming. The context is in the last hour, it says, and the last days, which indicate the time from the first coming of Jesus to the second coming. So the last hour or the last days speak about the age of grace. And if John said it is the last hour in his day, that's 1,900 years ago. How much closer are we now? The understanding of John's day was that the Antichrist was coming. He believed it. The manifestation of many Antichrists have already taken place, such as Pharaoh, Lamech, Antiochus, Epiphany, Hitler, many others. Many, many, many. The evidence affirms the last hour when the Christians of the first century were being persecuted, they were being persecuted by Nero, who, by the way, was called the beast. Now, you remember that John is writing against the Gnostics. The Gnostics were people who taught that matter was evil, and therefore they said spirit is good, matter is evil, and therefore if God is spirit, he can't occupy a body. If he does, then he's evil. Therefore, Jesus couldn't have been God. Kind of human reasoning, logic, and all that. But it does violence to the scriptures. And so they taught that Jesus walked. He was just a phantom, didn't leave footprints. And that his deity came upon him at his baptism and then left him prior to the cross, so you have only a man dying on the cross. How convenient. The second appearance is in 1 John 2, 22 and 23, and it regards his concept of the person of Christ. The spirit of Antichrist is one who denies Jesus as the Christ, the anointed Messiah. Many people are willing to say, oh, he's a prophet. Oh, he's one of the avatars, one of the ascended masters. No, 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 no. He is the Messiah. The spirit of Antichrist denies the Father and the Son, therefore they would deny also the Holy Spirit. The spirit of Antichrist denies the Father by denial of the Son. You see, you can't have the Father except through the Son. 
John 3, 35 and 36, and John 14, 6, Jesus makes that very, very clear, and so does John. The third mention regards his denial as the God-man in 1 John 4, 3. The Antichrist spirit denies that Jesus was the incarnation of God in his first coming. John 1, 14 says, And the Word became flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which they had heard was coming and was already active in the world. So John says he's coming, but it's, his spirit's active already in the world. This is 1900 and some years ago. The fourth appearance is 2 John 7. It mentions here the denial that Jesus is coming in the flesh again, the second time. The spirit of Antichrist refuses that Jesus is coming in the flesh a second time then. And the tense there is the present perfect is coming. So he denies not only that he came in the flesh the first time, but also that he is not coming the second time. The spirit of Antichrist has existed in the past, and it is well alive today in the world. This is the deceiver and Antichrist. By declaring that Jesus did not come and is not coming. That means that there is no accountability and you can live any way you want and you don't have to worry about anything. How convenient. And we believe a lie. That's like if you're in a burning building on fire and somebody keeps yelling fire and you say, I don't believe you. Well, it's just a matter of time before you will be a believer. The time of the Antichrist cannot be missed. Now, for somebody to give you dates, be real careful. Now, we know things that have to happen, and once they happen, we know what will happen. But no man knows the day that it begins, the rapture. Once that happens, then it's like a calendar. It's like a schedule. So the time of the Antichrist cannot be missed. The Antichrist's ultimate purpose will be to attempt to stop Christ from setting up his kingdom, as you know. As we return with him as the bride of Christ, Jesus will destroy the armies of the world that are gathered in the Valley of Megiddo to stop him from setting up his kingdom, Revelation 17, 14, and 19, 15. The prophet Isaiah records the five threats of Satan as he was thrown out of heaven. Isaiah 14, 13 and 14 says, I will ascend up into heaven. I will exalt myself above the stars of God, the angels. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the side of the north, where God sits on his throne. I will ascend above the clouds. I will be like the most high. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs 16, 18 says. He was second to God, and because pride, he fell. And he led a third of the angels to betray God. Which is interesting because that means that angels have a free will. They're not robots. Man has a free will. He's not a robot. But we are creating the image and likeness of God. Therefore, redemption is only for man, never for any angel. Angels cannot be forgiven or redeemed. 
Only man can. But they have free will just as you and I do. Now the outcome is also predicted in verse 15 of Isaiah 14. God says, yet you shall be brought down to hell, Sheol, to the sides of the pit, the abuso. He's not equal to God. He's a created angel. Cherub, one of the highest order we saw studying Ezekiel in the first couple of chapters. Could be that he was an archangel also. We're not sure. Michael's the only one that's called an archangel, but it could be. Now, the last empire to be destroyed will be the Tentos, the empire of the Antichrist, as you know. Daniel tells us of that stone cut not with hands, virgin born, and it struck the image at the feet, and it crumbles, Daniel 2, 34. And Paul tells the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10, and 2, 8, about the Lord's coming and judgment against all the ungodly. John tells us in Revelation 19, 11 through 16 that the Antichrist and his armies will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. That's the church. Now, if we're returning with him to set up the kingdom, it presupposes he takes us out of here. If that was the only chapter we had, Revelation 19, that would be enough to tell you that he gets us out of here. A two-edged sword proceeds from his mouth. The reference is to the long judgment sword. Revelation 19, 15. You get a preview of that in Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing? He says he will laugh at them and he will have them in derision. Destroy them. Now, notice the authority of the priestly and kingly crown which the Antichrist exercises is removed from him by Jesus. Because remember, the prophecy is twofold, right? Look at verse 26 and 27 here of Ezekiel. Thus saith the Lord God, remove the diadem, the mitre, of the priest and take off the crown of the king this shall not be the same exalt him this is low and abase him this is high I will overturn it and it shall be no more until he comes whose right it is and I will give it to him he who comes whose right it is is the Messiah at the battle of Armageddon the Lord destroys him and Jesus sets up his kingdom short term prophecy Zedekiah Long-term prophecy, Antichrist. John tells us that at the end of the millennial reign, the devil is cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet have been for a thousand years and tormented forever and ever, Revelation 20, verse 10. Make sure you understand that if you die without Jesus Christ, you will be eternally separated from God. There's no second opportunity there's nothing. There's no annihilation. You live forever and ever in the lake of fire. It's not a scare tactic. It's not reverse psychology. It's a biblical truth that you have to make a decision on. Gehenna, by the way, was made for no one but Satan and his angels, Matthew 25, 41, and yet the majority of mankind will end up there because they refuse to bow their knee and their heart to Jesus Christ. 
Peter puts it this way in uh, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 14. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away and with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things are to be dissolved, what manner of person are you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for the hastening and coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. The melting of everything happens at the end of the thousand years. Peter runs it all together from our being taken up to the time of the thousand years. Just like Peter in the first chapter of, uh, of Acts, the second chapter, the day of Pentecost, he doesn't make a distinction. He makes the fulfillment of Joel in the day of Pentecost, and he runs it all the way to the tribulation and makes no distinction whatsoever. Paul puts it this way. When Christ was our life shall appear, then you shall appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 4. That's what I'm looking for. The world's conditions are ripe for the Antichrist to appear. Look at the world scene. The Ten-Nation Confederacy is well underway. The nation of Israel is back in the land. The spirit of Antichrist is live throughout the world, particularly in the United States. We're becoming God-haters. We're passing laws against God. Interesting. The Antichrist, the man of sin, if we are the generation, is alive today. If we're the generation, he is alive on the earth today. Enoch put it this way, Jude 14 and 15. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, way back in Genesis, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all. Enoch, in Genesis, prophesied about the second coming. <laughs> Didn't even bother with the first. To convict all who are ungodly among all those in their ungodly deeds which have uh, they have committed in an ungodly way and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I don't know about you, but can you imagine you having to give an account for every word, every deed, every thought that you've ever done? And don't think that God's going to put it on the screen, as some people say. It's going to be you and him. And let me tell you, the last thing on his mind is to embarrass you. The judgment will be sufficient. For every word, every deed, I am so glad Christ died for my sin. I am so glad. Ex-Vice President Al Gore declared, quote, The spiritual sense of our place in nature can be traced by the origins of human civilization. When the prevailing ideology of belief was based on the worship of a single earth goddess, who was assumed to be the fount of all life, who radiated harmony among all living things, it seems obvious that a better understanding of a religious heritage preceding our own by so many thousands of years could offer us new insight. The fifth strategic goal should be the establishment of a cooperative plan for educating the world's citizens about our global environment. He's a pantheist. He worships the creation. And I doubt if he does that. These are just words. But the world buys it. The scriptures first mentioned the Antichrist, as you know, in Genesis 3.15. The book of beginnings. 
Right from the beginning, he is mentioned. The record is the opposition to Messiah, the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. The seed of the woman means virgin born, without a man. The seed of the serpent, the Antichrist. The temporary wound of the heel, a bruise on the cross. The resurrection took care of that wound. <laughs> Destroyed Satan, his authority. The head wound, fatal. At the cross, all authority. He tasted the death of every man. Destroyed him with the power of death. The ultimate fulfillment would be at the return to set up the kingdom. Then he will destroy Satan. And so we have the end at the beginning. We're on the winning side. You don't have to read the last chapter. All you have to do is read the first few chapters to find out what's going to happen. The many types of foreshadowing the ultimate appearance of the Antichrist are seen throughout history. Pharaoh attempted to destroy the male children through which the Messiah would come by casting them into the Nile. Antiochus Epiphany attempted to destroy the Jewish religion by desecrating the temple and causing the priests to eat pork. That's where you get the Maccabean period, the revolt, and you get the uh, feast of Hanukkah, which is not a biblical holiday, but it's a historical holiday. Herod attempted to kill the male children from two years older and down under uh, because uh, of the Magi's visitation to the Messiah in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. Nero attempted to destroy the Christians through inhumane torture and persecution. He dipped them in pitch and lit his city on fire with them like candles. He would stretch them out on the rack and pour hot metal on their bellies. He would skin them alive. He would drag them behind chariots until their brains gushed out. He would dismember them. He would tie them in animal skins and let savage dogs go to them. He would parade around the Christians as he rode around in his chariot naked. He set the fire of Rome and blamed the Christians. He was called the beast. Hitler, another type of antichrist. Mussolini killed more than Hitler, except they weren't all Jews. The words of Jesus about the Antichrist are very revealing. Listen to them. I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive, John 5, 43. What an amazing statement. He's talking to the Jews. I'm not come by myself, but he that sent me is true, John 7, 28. Jesus is the truth. Satan is the lie. Jesus is the holy one. Satan is the wicked one. Jesus stands for light. Satan stands for darkness. Jesus is life. Satan stands for death. Jesus stands for joy. Satan stands for misery. Now, who do you want to serve? It's a choice. Jesus reveals to John that he comes from the bottomless pit in Revelation 11:7. Devil. The beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, as I told you, will end up being cast in the lake of fire, with burns with fire and brimstone forever and ever being tormented. Don't let anybody tell you that if you perish without Christ, that there is no punishment. It's eternal separation from God to give an account for your sins, for your words, for your actions, because you refuse the lawyer for the defense that can get you off by his grace and his mercy. 
The end of the Antichrist is certain. Ezekiel tells us. He's coming. And so is Jesus. Who do you want to serve? Pastor Xavier Reese, and a reminder that the end is near, but it can also be a great beginning for those who choose Jesus Christ. And don't forget today's message, The Profane Wicked Prince of Israel, is available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. Now once again, the title to ask for is The Profane Wicked Prince of Israel, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What happens when you continue to reject God? Find out when you join us for the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com